All right, let's talk tonight the final lesson on what the Bible says about the church, what it says about the church. And I think we've talked about several things, how the church is a place of attendance. There's no doubt about that. And the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as a manner of some is. We ought to be in church. We ought to be church people. The Bible's clear on that. And there ought to be an assembly, and there ought to be a fellowship, and there ought to be a place of encouragement. And no doubt it is. And also we know that the church is a place of worship. We say, why do we come here? We come and meet together and worship God together. That's our job as a church is to worship the Lord. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And I realize we have this our time of fellowship too. You find that in the Bible. We're going to have a fish fry coming up Sunday night. Well, you know what? That church ate together in the Bible. They did all kinds of things together. And not a thing wrong with that. But we're still, our main purpose and our main focus and our main goal is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're giving him worship, then we're doing the right thing. And we're, there ought to be worship taking place in the church. Most churches don't have any worship. That's not going on anymore. And you do, I, it's kind of like uh, you go to town and you do these different things. And I preached that baccalaureate a couple Sunday nights ago and had a good time. But it's that stuff, and, and you can't help but you, they have to do it the way they have to do it, and I understand that, and I'm thankful they do it. 105 years they've been doing it or something like that, and I think that's just huge that they do it, and thank God they do it. But it's almost like it's so stiff that it's like a funeral in there or something, and people don't even know how to have fun. I said, I, I just told them right off the bat, I said, well, I'm sorry, I'm just going to apologize right now, but I said, I can't do it like you are doing it. I said, I'm just going to have a good time. <laughs> so, I've been to funerals that had more excitement than that. <laughs> But I got more um, people that sit, I had people from other churches sending me messages and stuff said, that was great. And of course, some probably didn't like it, and that's all right too. But anyway, but I know one thing. They may not have liked it, but there wasn't anybody bored in the place. <laughs> we had a good time. And so it ought to be a place of worship, and it shouldn't be boring to serve God. I think my, one of my favorite things to do is worship the Lord. It's not entertainment to me, it's enjoyment to me. I enjoy worshiping the Lord. I have a good time doing it. People say, well, you shouldn't have a good time. Why shouldn't you? If you love the Lord, you ought to enjoy worshiping Him. Why wouldn't you enjoy? I like to sing. I don't get to sing specials because I can't sing. But I'll sing with everybody else when they sing. And I like to shout and I like to say amen and hallelujah. I like to raise your hand don't even have a question. I enjoy it. I enjoy the worship of the Lord. And I like to watch other people worship the Lord too. I like it when everybody gets in on it. But not only that, we know that the church is a place of learning. We talked about that. We talked about getting in Sunday school and Bible study. The Bible talks about that church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and the problems that they had. And one of their problems was many of them should have been teachers, but they weren't teachers. It said that in Hebrews 6. You say, what were they? They were still babes in Christ. And there's a lot of people that get saved for years and years and years, and they're still babes. And some of them ought to be teaching or doing something, but they can't because they still haven't learned the most basic things. And I'm preaching to the choir. You're here on a Wednesday night. You're trying to learn something, so that's good. But no, not everybody's that way. And then not only that, it's also it's a place of service. I don't think I've talked about this as much. Take your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians 16. Here's a good place right here. It's a place of service. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 
1 Corinthians 16, the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. And Paul gets telling these Corinthians about some people. And basically he says, I want you to submit to these people because these people are doing it right. They're serving God is what they're doing. Notice in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 15, he says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia. Now, Corinth was in the region of Achaia. And what he says is, these people of Stephanus, his household, they're the, they're the first group, really, that got saved and got in. He said, you know about them. And he says this, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Notice they addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. People ought to be addicted to the ministry. And you don't have to be a minister to be addicted to the ministry. God's given us a ministry right here. Through the church, we've got all kinds of ministries. Man, we've got a Bible college. We've got students all over the world. 800 and something students online. That's, that's unheard of. People thought they'll, they'll never do that. We didn't even know we'd do it, but God did it. Man, that's a, that's a huge ministry. This church affects so many people all over the country all the time and outside the country. There's people in all kinds of different um, countries that are watching our studies and people that are taking courses even outside of the country. And God, we've got an interna international ministry through this church. God's been good to us. But we've got more than that. We've got a Sunday school ministry. We've got a children's ministry. We've got a van ministry. We've got ladies have all kinds of ministries, things that they do. The VBS is a ministry. All those kind of things. There's big ministries all through the church. And I could name this and name that. All kinds. Of, the security team, that's a ministry right there. You say, what is it? That's people serving in the church is what it is. And there's people working in a kitchen that's serving in a church. There's people that are doing all kinds of little things. And that's what people ought to do. They'll say, hey, what can I do? And find you something to do. And join in on the ministry. And don't just join in. Be addicted to it. We're living in a day of addiction. Everybody's addicted to some people are addicted to drugs. They're addicted to alcohol. They can't put it down. They're addicted to things on the internet they shouldn't be looking at. They're addicted to you name it. And they're addicted to it. But we need some people that are addicted to the ministry. That are addicted to God's things. Man, you get people like that, you can you've got something then. And I believe we have some people that are addicted to the ministry. They're looking for ways they can serve God and what they might do. And there's plenty of them. There's, you can't exhaust God. But it's a place of service. Everybody ought to serve. And I'm not going to give you all the examples because there's too many to give you. But all through the scripture you can read about different examples of service that people did within the local church. And not just there. You'll see places where people served in the fact that they, served, they gave their life for the Lord in service. And there's some that even served like helping the apostles. Paul talked about some of these guys that refreshed him. He talked about one guy, he said, he refreshed me. Man, that's a big thing right there. Here was Paul, and he was in prison going through a hard time, and there was a guy there that encouraged him and helped him and refreshed him, it says. Man, that's good when you find somebody like that. It's kind of like a hot day. I mean, you're hot, and you're thirsty, and you get a, a cold glass of water when you're, I mean, you're, you're thirsty, and you drink that, and it's just like it refreshes your whole body. And he says that's how it is. Some people around are refreshing, and then some people drain it out of you. Don't be a drain. Be a refresher. Amen. That's right. It's a place of service. And then it's also a place of commission. Look in Matthew chapter 28. 
Matthew 28. It's a place of commission. God gave a commission to the church here. And we ought to take it seriously. And we do. We, we go door knocking and do things. We went here recently. We're going to continue to go. We've gone for years and years and years. But after the resurrection of Christ, he gathered his disciples together. And he, the 11 that was left, Judas had already killed himself. And it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Now notice what he said. Go ye therefore, verse 19. What's our commission? Number one, we're to go. And what are we to do? Teach all nations. Well, what do you reckon he'd have us teach them? There's no doubt in my mind what he'd have us teach them. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If you can teach all nations, what's the number one thing to teach them? Teach them about Jesus. And see, when people get saved, then you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The commission is teaching them about Christ. When they accept him, then the commission, secondly, is baptizing them. We've been baptizing a lot of people. We were supposed to have one to baptize this Sunday. We baptized last Sunday. We've been baptizing a lot of Sundays here lately. And you say, what? When people trust Christ their Savior, are supposed to get baptized. Not to be saved, but to show that you are saved. And then thirdly, he says, teaching them to observe all things, verse 20, whatsoever I've commanded you. We're to teach them about Christ, and they trust him as Savior. We're to baptize them. Then we're to teach them all the things that, they're command, that were commanded. Number one, you can teach them to teach others about Christ, just like you taught them. And then secondly, we're to teach them what the Bible says. It's our job to teach the Bible and teach the Word of God so people can study the Word of God and know things about it. And that's good. We've got a biblically-based church. We try to go by the Bible. There's gray areas in the Bible sometimes, and you look at that kind of stuff, and you say, well... I'm not sure about this or that, and you just do the best you can, but you have to judge it on the entirety of the Scripture when it comes to something like that. But anyway, we're a Bible-believing church, and so that's what we want to do. We want to go by the Scripture and see what it says and follow the Word of God. It's so important to follow God's Word. And so it's a place of commission, and that's our job. We ought to make sure the Gospel's being preached and the Gospel's being sent out and that we are behind that. That's the number one thing of this church. The number one thing is to get the gospel out of the Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, and you could even put it in the same level, is to worship the one that died for us. Give him honor and glory. So see, those two things, they kind of go hand in hand. You're getting the gospel out, but you're also worshiping him because of the gospel. Because of what he's done, we worship the Lord. And he deserves to be worshipped, so we ought to worship him. And then... Um, not only that, it's a place of leadership. The church is a place of leadership. There's all kinds of leadership within the church and leaders in different capacities. And that's wonderful. And there's people that are placed in places of leadership. And you say, well, who decided? Well, really, the Lord works that out. He always does. And in the church, there's only two ordained offices in the church. You say, why do you say that? Because that's what the Bible talks about. And those ordained positions, are, they're not even positions, 
their offices given by God. And that's the office of pastor and deacon. And they don't have the same thing. They don't have anything to do with one another in a sense. I mean, their, their jobs are total opposite, but yet they work together at the same time. But they're not given the same job. Look in Ephesians chapter 4. You'll see the only time the word pastor is mentioned in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. It's the only place in the New Testament the word pastor is mentioned. Now you'll find it in the Old Testament, but that's a different kind of pastor. It's a shepherd taking care of sheep, literal, physical animals, sheep. But in the New Testament, a pastor is called that because he too takes care of sheep. But in this case, they're not animals, they're just likening to animals. And he's likening to that shepherd that's taking care of that. You say, why, why are we called sheep? Because that's what God calls us. And by the way, he has good things to say about sheep. They're his. He loves his sheep and he calls them by name and all those kind of things. And so being a sheep's good. And even as a pastor, I'm a pastor, but I'm still a sheep too. It doesn't make any difference. Even though I'm the pastor, if you're saved, you're sheep. And so that makes us all sheep. And you know what's wrong with sheep? They say they're the dumbest animals on earth. Isn't that crazy? And we are. We do dumb stuff sometimes. You say, what do you got to have? You got to be led. A sheep needs shepherd. They got to have a shepherd. You say, wow, that's the way it is. A shepherd protects from things, watches over them. I'll show you that here in a minute. Look in, um, and they love them, and they feed them, and they nourish them. That's what a shepherd's job is to do. Look in, a, and they lead them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles. We don't have those today, but they did not when this was written. And some prophets. We don't have those in that capacity today. I could prophesy and tell you the future, but the only future I can tell you is what's written in the Bible. See, there's a difference there. I can say, well, the Bible says the Lord's coming back. Do you realize I just prophesied? And I'm right, because he is coming back. You know how I know I'm right? Because the Bible's, not because I got some little special something from the Lord. Oh, I'll tell him that now. No, it's what the Bible says. And so the scripture can tell you things about the future so you know about it. And then it says, and some evangelists. Now, we still have those today, but those aren't um, a position in the church. An evangelist is a help to churches. And there's never been a time in the last 2,000 years that we haven't had evangelists. Now, you get some groups, and they don't have, because they're dying out. They just don't have it. But we're Baptists, and Baptists have always had evangelists. They've had them in the time of Ephesians. And they've had them all the way through, all the way through these years. And I believe God calls people to be an evangelist, and they're called to be an evangelist to help churches. That's an evangelist's job. And so evangelists not to go hurt a church, it's to help a church. And we have evangelists come by here from time to time. Brother Mark McGahee, he's a full-time evangelist. Brother um, Terrence Calvin is a full-time evangelist. Brother McFadden used to be a full-time pastor. Now he's a full-time evangelist. That's what he does all the time. And so anyway, you've got all these people that are evangelists, and I, could, and I know a whole lot more. I've got a lot of friends that are, that are evangelists. And then it says this, and some pastors and teachers. Notice there's no comma or semicolon. 
after pastors, those go together. Every pastor ought to be a teacher in that sense. And you can have teachers within the church that aren't pastors, but a pastor ought to be apt to teach, the Bible says. And so that, that, in that case, it goes together. And so what you have here is you've got pastors. And the word pastor means a shepherd. He's supposed to be a shepherd. A shepherd cares for the flock. And he watches over the flock. He keeps problems out of the flock. That's his job. And it's uh, more than that, though. There's three words in the New Testament that are synonymous with pastor, but yet there are three different words that mean have three different meanings, but yet they identify the same person. Pastor, bishop, and elder. Three times. Now, an elder can also be an older person. That's where you get elderly. So you can be an older person. But it's not always an older person. Sometimes it's an ordained position. Like one time Paul told Titus and them, or he said, go ordain elders in the churches. And Timothy and them, go ordain elders in the churches. What he's talking about there is the pastor. And the word bishop means overseer. And the word elder, it really means seniority. And so it doesn't have to be an older person, but it's got to be a mature person. You know, you can get older people that aren't mature. And sometimes you get younger people that are mature. Normally, older people are more mature than younger people. That's the way it's supposed to be. But some people don't ever grow up. <laughs> and then occasionally you get a younger person that's mature. But most pastors that I know, the majority of them, they started out pastoring when they were young. Even the older ones. They're older now, but they didn't start out. They didn't wait till they were 65 or 70 to start pastoring. Meantime, they was in their 20s or 30s, something like that. And they pastored for years and years and years. And so it's just the way it is. And God grows them that way. And that's his business. It's his business. But anyway, you read about Timothy. He was a young man and God was using him. No doubt about it. And so you got young people in the Bible. But how about this word, bishop? Turn to 1 Timothy 3. The first, one of the most prominent times you see it in the Bible, rather, is in 1 Timothy 3. And it gives the office of the pastor, but it calls it a bishop. Notice 1 Timothy 3, 1. It says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And so it's an office. Notice that? The office of a bishop. It's an ordained office. And notice, if any man desire that, he desireth a good work. And then it gives, it gives the different qualifications for that office. And one of them, verse 6, is not a novice. And so sometimes you've got younger people that aren't novices. Sometimes you've got older people that are. When I first started preaching, um, there's no doubt that I would have fallen into that novice category. And I was preaching for three and a half years before I ever moved here. And I remember right when I surrendered to the ministry, everybody said, what you need to do is pastor a church. You need to go pastor. I said, Man, I don't need a pastor. I was just trying to figure this stuff out. I didn't, that's the last thing I need to do. I didn't know very much about the Bible, to be honest with you. And I'd say, well, I'm just not ready. And I'd have another young preacher. These young preachers around about my age at that time, they'd say, well, I'm ready. And I'd say, well, that's probably proof you're not ready. But anyway, you know, I mean, oh, I'm ready, they'd say. But I knew I wasn't ready. And I just waited on the Lord. And so I was preaching for three and a half years. I'd probably preached in 100 churches before I came up here the first time. I wasn't a very good preacher then either, by the way. I'm not saying I'm good now. I hope I've improved from there. Anyway, I've, surely I've improved from that. It's bad. 
But anyway, I mean, I've, and I've learned the Bible as I've gone too. It takes time. My number one, and I, I, this isn't about me, my number one strength. Now, my, my weakness was being young. I was 26 when I moved here. My weakness was being young and not as much Bible knowledge as I needed. But I worked hard at that. But my strength was, at that age, my strength was business sense. Because I'd been put in a hot business that was running, at that time, over 100 employees. I started out with a shovel in my hand, just like everybody else. But my dad had a business, and I dealt with a lot of big things. And I was bidding jobs and responsible, sometimes uh, millions of dollars. And so that was a big deal, and that helped me. I didn't say that I knew everything about business then, but had I not gone through what I went through, I wouldn't have been ready to pastor even then is what I'm saying. And so I was behind on the preaching and Bible teaching, but I was advanced in that part of it. And so had a lot of growing to do for my age at the time, for a 26-year-old is what I mean. I'm not saying I was more advanced than everybody else. I'm just saying for my age. And... You have strengths and weaknesses, what you have. And so anyway, but I can't tell you how much working with my dad for, um, well, from 12 years old till I was 26, I can't tell you how much that helped me and prepared me for the ministry, and you wouldn't think it would. And some of you are business owners, and you go through things other people don't go through. You're dealing with employees. God help you for that. Because <laughs> people didn't work too good back then. They really don't want to work now. It's awful. But anyway, I mean, dealing with everything you can think of, well, a pastor has to deal with a lot of that kind of stuff too. He deals with a lot of that sort of thing. And then, um, and so, a bishop. You say, what's a bishop? Well, a bishop's an overseer. Take your Bible and go to Hebrews now. Hebrews chapter 13. And it talks about that overseer. He doesn't use the word bishop. But he talks about those that have to rule over you. It's an overseer. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 verse 7. Hebrews 13 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. How do you remember? Well, you pray for them and stuff like that. Who has spoken unto you the word of God. Well, that kind of tells you who it's talking about. Whose faith follow then you're to be a follower of them. You say of what? Of their faith. That's their example. Considering the end of their conversation. So you've got to consider that. How their lives and ministries end up. Then look down at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. That's a big deal. As they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So it wouldn't be good. And so that's the thing about it. Being a pastor is not an easy job. I've heard everybody say, oh, these pastors went through COVID. Oh, bless their heart. And you look like, they act like they're LeBron James where somebody just almost fouled them but missed and he lays down on the floor like he's crying for two hours. And he didn't even touch you, you big baby. Get up. Yeah. And he, you know what they did to Michael Jordan? I mean, they took, they, they clotheslined him and everything else, and he got a, and they didn't even, I mean, it's just, you're like, oh, good grief. But to me, the, the COVID thing, other than losing people, I don't mean, I'm not taking that lightly, but I'm just saying as far as it's affecting church and services, 
it didn't bother me too bad. It was, I mean, everybody's, oh, you just, because I'll, I don't know, all the, I don't, maybe it bothered a bunch of pastors. Maybe they needed help. I had a doctor ask me today, that, how do you think that would have, he started using, how do you think that would help, how do you think that's going to affect religion from this point on? I go, I don't know, we're growing. <laughs> you are? He says, yeah, man, God's blessing our church. I said, the worst thing that happened to a church is stay in a parking lot. Get inside is what you got to do. You say, well, I'm in a parking lot tonight. Well, you probably have a reason to be there. You just keep coming. But, man, people shut their services down. You can't shut services down. They didn't shut Walmart down. They sure didn't shut Lowe's down. We're going to have church. They got Walmart and Lowe's. We're having church. We're more important than either one of them. But anyway, if, if the time comes we've got to be careful, we'll be careful. When it's not bad, we won't be. You know, it's just the way it is. But you've got to have church. You can't stop worshiping God. It's important. But anyway, I mean, that's not bad. But the thing is this. They watch for your souls so that, as they must give an account. I'm going to give an account for how I lead this church. And so it's important for you to pray for me to lead the right way because I'm also going to have to give an account for you. And notice this, for they watch for your souls as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. They don't be a troublemaker is what it's saying. Don't, don't get in on every little thing. Don't be a baby about stuff. You say, why? Because a pastor has to watch over your souls. Let them do it with joy. You realize every time I have a preacher in, the person that don't enjoy revivals, you know who it is? Me. I love it, but I hate it at the same time. Because any preacher, I have to pray about that. I try to have preachers in that's going to help our church. That's my desire. And I've had preachers in before that didn't help us, and they didn't come back. Because I thought they would help us. <laughs> and they should have helped us. And to be honest with you, some of them just had a bad day. They probably would help you if they came back. And maybe, and maybe down the line, if they grow in grace, they might get to. You know, just take time. The last thing I do when I go to another church, I don't want to hurt that church. I'm going to try to help them. If I can't help them, I ain't going. That's just how I feel about it. I'm going to do the best I can to help a church. But sometimes, you know, you have preachers in. I sit right there, over there by Brother Boyce, and I'm sitting on there listening to them. And then I'm watching people while they're preaching. And, you know, some people are babies. And they'll say something they don't like or steps on their toes. I can't believe they said that. They're going to be gone after this week. Why can't you just forget about it? You know, that's how I look at it. What's the big deal? They're probably not even coming back. That's what, I never understood people like that. But I had to sit there. If I go to another church and have a meeting, I can have a good time. But at our church, man, you want to talk about a wait during a revival meeting on a pastor. Because that's when the devil works the most, too. Because he doesn't want a church to be revived. It's hard. It's hard. It's easy to attend a meeting. But the saying is, it's tough to carry a meeting. And what that means is the moderator, the guy... When a preacher leaves out of here, I'm still here. And sometimes you have to clean up a mess. But most of the time I found, if a person sold out to the Lord, you can't offend a person like that. It's usually somebody that ain't sold out to the Lord. Or they had not been reading their Bible. Something's not right. Something ain't right. You can mark that down. But usually you can come down to it. There's a problem somewhere. Problem somewhere. Maybe in the home. I don't know. But there's a problem somewhere. But anyway... It's not easy pastoring a church. To me, that's some of the hardest parts of pastoring a church. One of the hardest things right there. So, well, you say something, you might offend somebody. The thing is, if you're preaching the Bible and that offends somebody, you can't do nothing about it because you're going to get offended at this book, then 
the book's still right. The book's right. The book's right. I can, I can see people as a pastor, though, and sometimes you can see them walk in, they got a chip on their shoulder when they walk in the building. You think, the whole service is blown. One person can do it, two people can do it, three people can do it, blow the whole service. And you say, what happened? They probably just got in a fight with their husband or wife in the parking lot, you know. I can come in that way. Any of us can, you know. But man, it's, it's, a, it's a risky thing. But I can see people sometimes, I've seen people leave our church and never tell me, they usually won't even tell you they're leaving. And thankfully, we got a whole lot more coming than we ever have leaving. And some of them that leave, you think, thank God, I didn't think they'd ever go. You know? But anyway, saying it's so much better around here. But anyway, um, I, can t- I can see just the look on their face the last time there. I'll never see them again. So weird. I can sense stuff like that. Everybody can't, but I usually can. I don't know if the Lord gives you that or what it is, but you can just say stuff like that. You say, well, there's reasons to leave church. There sure is. There's reasons I'd leave one. That's right. But man, you can mark it down. If somebody left a church and they never even told the pastor they was leaving, then he ain't the problem. They're the problem on that. You say, well, we don't have a pastor. Well, that's different, ain't it? Amen. All right. How about this one? Um, I'm not going to turn on the one on the elder. That's a good one on bishop. But elder uh, is all through there too, and it just means seniority. And then you got deacons. I don't got time to go through all this, but the deacons are in the church to take part in the ministry. But a deacon, a pastor, is in a leadership role. People don't like that, but that's how God did it. And by the way, let me just say this: it's not all glorious being a pastor. The Bible talks about how he took, he went from the baser sort, he went from the bottom of the barrel and picked out people to be pastors. And he just did that to show people that he could take some crazy person like me or some crazy person like all these other pastors you know about and do something with them. And what that proves is it's not about the man, it's God doing something. What God's saying is, he said, I can draw a straight line with a crooked stick is what he can do. God can do things. So God gets the honor and glory for that. I don't have it. In my mind, I don't have any business being a preacher. That's the last thing I would have picked in life. I mean, uh, maybe a funeral director been last, but anyway, next to last, you know. <laughs> That's right. But uh, next to last. But I didn't want to be a public speaker or anything. I, I didn't even like that. I had to give a speech one time in college. I just skipped that day. Can you imagine that? It don't bother me now. People say, "Do you get nervous when you preach?" No. I, I really, I don't ever get nervous unless I don't have something to say. And then it, oh, I'm nervous then. But if i got something to say, I'm not nervous. I'm chomping at the bits. I'm ready to go. That's just how I feel about it. But I've preached. I'm, and I can preach in front of 5,000 people. And I've done it. And I can preach in front of five people. And I'd be more apt to get nervous with five people than I would 5,000. That's weird how that is. And 5,000 don't even feel any more than three or 400. It's just weird. Not to me, it didn't to me anyway. I'm going to just give you my experience. But you just go preach in a jail sometime and be one man in a cell. That's weird. That's awkward there, you know what? I've done it. But a deacon, on the other hand, a deacon's job is to be a servant of the church. And I'll say our deacons serve. They do a lot of things behind the scenes. And, and um, we've got five deacons, and all of them are good ones. They're not troublemakers. They're not, it's got to be my way. If they were, they wouldn't be a deacon. See, a deacon is the kind of person, you got to, a deacon has to have the kind of personality that they got to be able to work with a pastor. 
If they can't work with somebody, they could never be a deacon because you couldn't be a servant and be a deacon. You couldn't. I've always said if I wasn't a pastor, though, say, I, say all of a sudden God moved me and I just went and joined a church, I'd be the best church member a pastor ever had. You say, how come? Because I don't understand a pastor. <laughs> I'd be the best church member that a pastor ever had because I wouldn't cause him any trouble. Man, I'd make sure he didn't stay up at night for me. I wouldn't nitpick him. I wouldn't do that stuff like you know crazy silly stuff i'd be the best member you say why because i understand that side of it i probably wouldn't have been for as a pastor brother jerry arnold called me after about two years of pastor and apologized to me for an hour he said i didn't know i'm so sorry i said really it wasn't that big a deal he's just young and crazy he didn't cause me trouble he never caused me any trouble you know but anyway in his mind he thought i should have been doing more he was doing a whole lot when he was even here then but you know, he just saw the other side of it for the first time. But a deacon in the Bible, they're taking care of widows. They're taking care of physical things in the church. Physical needs is what they're doing. It's not their job to lead, but we got good deacons. And our deacons all have all kinds of different jobs, you know. Brother Ben's our Sunday school superintendent, and he's, man, he's checking on people in the parking lot. He's doing a lot of different things you probably don't even know about. Brother Tony's running that um, security and all that kind of stuff that's a job it's it's hard to do that kind of stuff and just uh, somebody's got to be handling stuff you know and then brother Boyce I mean he's up here leading singing and the choir and he's got things and and uh, brother Ben and they're they're checking on people you don't even know about people they're checking on I can't check on all these people but they're I mean he's got some people he checks on the other guys he's got people he checks on you know there's diff different and they get back to brother Herschel he's more of a physical needs anything needs to be done him and Brother Luke, the same way. And they came up here and put all this um, base down in the back, back here. Brother Luke cut for him, and Brother Herschel, they're both in their 80s back here putting that stuff down, you know. That's a job right there. Most young people couldn't do that, but they did it. But, hey, they're willing to do whatever they can to help, and you appreciate that. Is that all the deacons? I'm missing one. That's all of them, ain't it? We don't need more than five because that's all I can remember. <laughs> Oh, man. But you know what? We've got people in the church that are doing the work of a deacon that aren't deacons. The last time we ordained deacons, we took two, and 15 men were nominated on ballot. And when I looked at all 15, I could see a reason for any of them to be a deacon. Is that not crazy? That just tells you how good of people we have in this church. Every church ain't that way. If you look at it, you say, 15 people I mean you've already got some deacons and you, and you look down there's 15 of them you say wow yeah we could have made them all deacons but we can't do that we didn't have a need for that many deacons somewhere down the line some of them may be deacons They're very good you know I say young people in our church I say young married couples and different people that we see and I notice I say you know what they're not ready yet but I can see that guy right there being a deacon someday you can see that, you know what I mean? You can just say, that's a servant right there. He's got a servant's heart, and a deacon has to have that. And so in the church, we say there's a place of leadership. There's that place of service that I talked about earlier, and the deacon falls in that, but in the leadership, I use our deacons, and then we have trustees and things that sign for notes, and they help with some physical things in the church, which is so important too. But I use them kind of as a um, deacons and folks like that. I use them almost as a cabinet. And so and trustees and that sort of thing anytime i ever spend money which is not going to be big money if i'm doing it without 
I'll let you know if we're going to spend any big money. But, my, you know, daily stuff is not a big deal. But I guarantee you, anything I'm doing, we're working on that back building, trying to get it cleaned back up. That building's been neglected a while. We're just painting and doing some stuff. I guarantee you, every deacon and every trustee knew he was doing it before it ever happened. It didn't just say, well, Brother Derek's doing that. I guess anybody knows. No, they knew. I promise you they knew. We put all that flooring down in the back, back there. I told the whole church, but the deacons and trustees already knew. And you know what? If they would have said, I don't think we need to do it right now, I'd say, okay, we can just wait then. But they didn't. So people say, well, he just does anything he wants to do anytime. It's really not like you think. You really don't have any idea. Will you say that's right? I, I mean, is that right, Brother Herschel? He's telling me. I'm telling you the truth. And Brother Sonny will tell you that's right. I, I mean, they not. I'm just, you say, well, what about these church? Well, the church selected them. They put them in that position. And so we, we have a work there. But we got a good church, a great church. Gethsemane Baptist Church is the greatest church in the world as far as I'm concerned. And I've traveled the world. And I think it's the best one. And you say, what is it? It's not this building. It's these people. The church is the people. All right, let's stop. Got to, man, I feel.